College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 34 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1Baseball.com podcast. I am your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. This evening's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from the youth levels all the way to the pros. I don't care how good of an athlete you are, Joe Healy. I don't care what your exit velocity is, Aaron Fit And Kendall, I don't care how handsome your beard is. If you are a bad decision maker, then you got problems. And our friends at S2 Cognition can help you really more on the baseball side. Um, that said, I am joined by these three gentlemen who are 10 run ruling the game of life uh, as we head into week five. Fitzy, what say you? I'd like to, to just you know start this thing off by saying how much I appreciate the occasional extreme Philly accent, like a bad you know, a bad decision. Is not, I just love it. Once in a while, you just really you get you really you drag Water. out that A and it's fantastic. Oh, I, I dropped it. I can't remember what, what it was, but I dropped an adult on people and that just, that, yeah, I don't know if that's a Philly thing, but how do you guys say it? Adult? Adult. adult. Yeah, I say adult. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know where that, well, I don't know. My that's wife a always thing. gives me a hard time for saying law, lawyer instead of lawyer. Oh, Ooh. listen, there's a Did lot of things. Lawyer or lawyer? Minute. Lawyer. Mm, I think I say Attorney. lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ban- bar- what is it? Barrister in the in the UK. Barrister. Oh, barrister. That's right. <laughs> Counselor. Jo- Joseph, you are clean shaven. Is that because SEC play kicks off this week? Right. What, what, yeah. yeah, that's right. It's reverse yeah, playoff. That's in the contract rooms. We've Ooh, got a like strict that. rule on no facial hair. No, I uh, like. Well, if, if you want the real version of what happened here, um, and this is breaking the rule of no inane banter. We bef- for the listeners before we went on, we're like we're going to keep no it rules. tight. But here we are. Yeah. Yes. I don't like Jake Rouse. I'm going to Gainesville for the Bama Florida series this weekend. And I don't want to have to travel with my like electric razor and stuff. So I just shave it like a couple days before I leave. So I can just leave all that at home. Um, because if it gets long, it gets like in that middle growth stage, it gets okay. itchy. And then I start to like mess with it while I'm at games. I'll yeah. just kind of idly sit there and like scratch it and stuff. And it's not good for my skin and you're so, so I like it's this. just best so if I get rid kind of, of a business decision kind of guy. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah, my, so my you, wife, you, you're my an old soul. Beard, you're so you're gets, officially an old soul. Thank you. She gets upset when I, because my wife likes the beard, but it's just, it, you know, it creates extra work for me. I have to pack my electric razor to trim it while I'm gone. Oh, yeah. So it's just easier to leave it at home. I get in trouble if I trim my beard. Like if I shave my beard totally off, I get in trouble. Mm. So. Joe, the, the contradiction right there, you who have an incredible work ethic when it comes to journalism and writing, your work ethic is superhuman, but you just referred to shaving your face as hashtag extra work, which yeah. is amazing. So, well, we, I mean, we all got to make decisions, you know what I mean? Like if, I, if I'm going to have a work ethic decision. about journalism, I have to, I have to cut something. I also, you know, it's the reason why I don't dress great, to be honest with you. You know, I just kind of grab and grab out of my closet. You know what I'm saying? By, by the like, way. Can I can I just say if you're an SEC baseball fan, um, and we got opening weekend SEC play, if you are not subscribed to SEC Extra, you are crazy. Just gonna put yeah, that crazy. Out there. Yeah, yes. if you're not, what are, we, what are we even doing? Yeah, what are we even doing? Yeah, a lot of yeah. stuff on SEC Extra this week. Quick plug. I mean, we're we're doing Ooh. for each of the 14 SEC teams, we're doing a SEC play primer where Mark and I are we're splitting them up and we're writing up, you know, what's gone well, what questions are still out there, best player, best pitcher, best newcomer 
breakout player, path to success, all that stuff for each of the 14 teams. So no matter who your team is, you'll have something this week that gets you ready for where the team is. Maybe if you've, your basketball team didn't make the tournament, looking at you, LSU, South Carolina, all those teams. Ooh, yeah. um, Vandy, uh, controversially somewhat. Yes. If you're one of those teams, um, you know, and you're just tuning into baseball, this will be a great way to kind of understand in a quick yeah. snapshot where your team's at ahead of getting into SEC play. So that. got that rolling out this week. It's a great Excellent. plug. It's almost like you wrote that out. Yeah, well done. It was only I was that prepared. Strong to quite strong. Uh, gentlemen, let's touch on some things that happen in the rankings super fast. And then I want to I'm going to assign each of us a league tonight um, to, to really kind of be the catalyst for the discussion in each league. So we had um, Iowa and the Beavers of Oregon State come out of the rankings. We had Florida Gulf Coast and Texas Tech come in. We had the, the Boston College Eagles almost came in, maybe could have, should have come in. There's plenty of time for that. I, I, I just want to go out there. I want to get ahead of this story because I've been chewing on it all day. It's been eating me up, <laughs> eating me up. We should have had BC in the rankings. I think we dropped the ball on this. We went round and round like our whole discussion yeah. last night. And I feel like if we had actually had our usual meeting, I think we might have gotten it right. But we didn't have Joe. You know, we, we the voice of reason. We had the whole whole thing on chat last night. It was weird. Like we we didn't we weren't able to properly hash it out. I think we blew it, guys. I, I just want to get that no, out there. Man. BC deserves <laughs> to be in the top twenty-five because not only I think they have one of the frankly one of the most impressive resumes in the country mm. right now. I mean, the fact that just this week alone, winning a road series at Virginia Tech after beating Tennessee in a road game midweek, already swept I think a good series at Kennesaw State. Uh, you know, I mean, Kansas State is not the same team as last year, but they were a regional team last year, and they do actually have a decent amount of talent still on that team. Uh, and the fact that they played every single game on the road, you know, and not like local road trips either. Like yeah. you're Boston College, you have to go to Pepperdine, you have to go, you know, to, to Kennesaw State, you have to go to, you know, I mean, like it's, it's, they should get extra credit for that to be 13 and two against a good schedule when every single game is on the road. I mean, all these other teams, we, yeah. we should have brought them in. We should have found a way to make it work. And I, I didn't want to drop Southern Miss out after winning weekend, even though it was kind of a mediocre week. But, like, maybe we should have brought BC in over over like a Florida Gulf Coast. So people have been giving us a little bit of a hard time about that. I didn't expect, frankly, to get pushed back on BC baseball. Not something that we're accustomed yeah. to. But we did get it. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to wear it. I think we blew it. I, I, well, I think Boston College deserves to be in, but I also think if you look at FGCU, I mean, sweeping a two-game series from Troy on the road in the midweek, mm -hmm. that's loud. They have a series win in Tallahassee against Florida State. That's very loud. So, honestly, like, I think that resume for me is a little bit of a wash. I mean, like, yeah, being Tennessee in midweek's great and all, but, I mean, to, to sweep somebody midweek on the road that's a good team is, is hard to do. Um, Texas Tech, you know, uh, you know, I think – you know, I had questions about them after Shriners, but I think when you look at their offensive output against a really solid Iowa, you know, starting rotation, you know, Gavin Cash continues to knock the cover off the ball. I think it makes sense for them to come. And I think the one argument you would have is, you know, is Southern Miss at this point a top 25 baseball team? Um, you know, I think it goes back to, like, we're pretty consistent. Like, if you win your weekend, chances are pretty good you're not coming out of the rankings. And that's what it boils down to with USM. But I have a lot of question marks about USM right now. It seems like it's, it's one weekend. Their, their pitching is great and their offense doesn't show up the next week and their offense shows up and their pitching is not great. So they have a lot of question marks, probably more question marks in BC right now uh, going, you know, as, as going into Sunbelt play, so to speak. Let me, uh, let me, uh, I will, I will put a capper on the apologize to the Boston college Eagles, but um, let me read off some of the other teams that we, that just missed that are kind of lurking outside the rankings. You've got, you mentioned Troy's having a heck of a year, Iowa, 
having an incredible year. Auburn was right there, but they lose the home series to Southeastern Louisiana. West Virginia is in the mix. Oregon State, obviously. Irvine, Grand Canyon, UCSB. Miami is fascinating. They won a huge series from NC State, who was previously undefeated. Wofford's sitting there with an, uh, having a heck of a year. Arizona is kind of under the radar, sneakily racking up some big wins. Then Washington State yeah. with a huge series win up in Corvallis. Uh, Fitzy, I appreciate your apology on Boston College. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. It's not Kendall's fault. It's the SEC's fault. Because the SEC is so powerful in baseball, we hired Joe Healy. And because Joe Healy was too busy writing about the SEC last night, we didn't have our most rational mind there to coach us through this decision. So, Greg Sankey, this blood is on your jersey. So, (laughs) no offense, Mr. Sankey. Um, There you go. Um, Joe, why don't we, why don't you take us to the SEC? What, what is your top of mind team slash thought, go wherever you want with this? What, what happened in the SEC last week that, that is keeping you up at night? Both the Alabama teams took really strange series losses. Well, strange is not the right word. In Alabama's case, it was kind of strange. Columbia is a, a good club, regional finalist last year in Blacksburg, perennially one of the better teams in the Ivy League. They've got some real players on that on that team, but man, to to just get run off the field in that finale was was kind of shocking. And and beyond just the scoreline, it was also everything that Alabama had been doing well just completely left them. They 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 got one good start from Ben Hess, but the other two starts weren't good. Grayson Hitt and, and Jacob McNary weren't good, and the bullpen didn't help. I mean, that's kind of been the thing is. You know, Grayson Hitt's not been perfect this year, but when he's gone short, the bullpen's been there for him. Same thing with McNary on Sundays, and the bullpen just wasn't there. And you know, the offense the offense was all right until the finale, but it just wasn't wasn't ultimately enough. So that was that was kind of weird, and it set off some alarm bells about you know, what could go down this weekend. Now that in Gainesville, the counter argument, of course, is that perhaps you know a little bit of a wake up call wasn't such a bad thing for Alabama, given that they'd cruised through their first you know fourteen or however many games it was to start the season. And, and maybe, maybe that'll be helpful in, in that way. But um, so that was one. The other was of course, Auburn losing to Southeastern Louisiana. Again, good club. The bigger thing with them is I think it's pretty easy to see what's happening there. And Auburn is, is low key really beat up mm-hmm. the, on the, on the position player side, Bobby Pierce is out. Cooper McMurray is out. Cole Foster had a great midweek and a great first game of last, the last series, but he was out for the last two games of that series, the double header they lost. And then of course, Joseph Gonzalez is still out. Uh, the ace of their staff and and I, there's been no real update on him and it's it's starting to worry me a little bit uh, just be, and now maybe they're just they were just holding him until SEC play and they're just going to tread water and maybe we find out that's the case but the fact that it's been pretty quiet has me a little bit uh, worried about that so it's a team that I, I think had exceeded some expectations Auburn through the first few weeks in terms of the way they looked but now being a beat up version of themselves you know, if it stays this way through a few weeks in SEC play, we know how this league goes. You can you can start taking on water pretty quickly. Coach Healy, I have follow up questions. Um, Alabama's bullpen. Any like main cogs back there, or has it been kind of a committee for Alabama? Like totally a committee thing. Um, it's it's really been. That's kind of the amazing thing is they really haven't. We're now in the point of the year where you see how what teams lean on when they talk about their bullpen guys. Auburn's actually a great example where John Armstrong has kind of become this year's Blake Burkhalter, not in terms of the stuff necessarily, but in terms of the way they use him. It's like, Hey, we need 10 outs and we're just going to give the ball to Armstrong and hope he can get all 10 or it's the third inning. And we just need somebody to give us length. Like let's go to him. 
with Alabama, I, I, there really haven't been those kind of patterns yet. And I think that's been a, a good thing in their case, because I really think it is literally just, we have so many options right now up until this past weekend, we have so many options. Now we're not really tied to one thing or another that of course will crystallize. I mean, it, there are a lot of teams that feel like they have really deep bullpens the first four weeks of the season. And then as Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. So you, that bullpen starts getting beat up a little bit. It shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. And you end up with the guys you really, really trust. So I think that's coming, but as of right now, it really has been just a total by committee thing where, you know, I think I mentioned this on the podcast before the, the, I don't know if it was you guys or with Mark, where I talked to a coach who had played them earlier this season. And he said the bullpen was their biggest strength. It was just, they kept waiting for somebody to come out of the bullpen, throwing 89 miles an hour. And it just never happened. So, um, but that is something to watch was how much of that was, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, feasting on less than stellar offenses. And we'll find out this weekend. Cause obviously Florida is a whole different deal. Uh, Kendall and Fitzy, I have a follow-up question for you, but Fitzy, you go first. I was just going to say, I mean, you mentioned the, the Joseph Gonzalez thing, just backtracking a little bit, and I, I am a little nervous about that. I mean, it, I saw uh, Jason Caldwell wrote that it was, it, it's you know, it's, it's shoulder soreness, which is always a little scary. And I think back to the fall, you know, at the end of the fall, I mean, Butch said, hey, you know, where he, he seemed like he was a little worn down. I mean, after the end of a long year and uh, just, he just did, didn't have as much movement on his sinker and we were trying to take it easy with him. And he said, you know, at the very end, uh, he looked a little better and it, it made us feel better, you know, made us feel a little better, which like that tells me like they were kind of worried about it in the fall, you know, and the fact that it's come out and I don't know. I mean, and this is a big, 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 big piece for Auburn. Clearly, like maybe the key to their season is is can this guy get healthy and, and be the the dude they need him to be? They need they need that workhorse. Um, and so, anyway, just something to monitor. Kendall, here's my, I'll start you with my question. By the way, Joe, who knew that Mike Tyson with that quote he was talking about SEC baseball? I mean, that was like kind of yeah, Mike Tyson scene. Century, no doubt. Yeah, seriously. Um, he should get some licensing for that. Kendall, so LSU this weekend, LSU is 10-run ruled like everybody, which is fascinating. Yeah. Their rotation this week was Skeens, Ty Floyd, Thatcher Hurd. So two-part question. Does that make you feel better about LSU if that was even possible? And is that the SEC rotation? Is that what Jay Johnson's going to run, run out there for 10 weeks? That's the best rotation. I mean, I, I think if you look back at the fall when I saw LSU and, and Ty Floyd, other than Grant Taylor, was the best pitcher I saw on the field. Mm. Uh, yeah, I didn't see Skeens that day because he was out. But when Ty Floyd's right, I mean, it's up to 96-97 with a nasty breaking ball. You look at Thatcher Hurd, I think I've talked about this numerous times, but, I mean, you're talking about a guy with a breaking ball with spin rates, you know, over 3,000, is going to sit anywhere from 92-95 with his fastball. You know, had an iffy first start of the year. I think it was against Southern, but uh, has been really good the last couple of times out. So, yeah, I, I do think that, uh, you know, I kind of said this going into the season when they had Riley Cooper opening weekend on the weekend rotation. I was just like, man, that, that that's not who I would have in there going to the SEC. And now they have three guys that I feel very, very confident in an SEC weekend rotation. Yeah, I, I love Ty Floyd in the fall. Thatcher Hurd goes without saying. He's one of the best, you know, freshman arms in college baseball last year until he got hurt. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about LSU, to say the least. Mm, crazy. Fitzy, I'm going to have you take us to the ACC. I just want to mention something in the, in the SEC. I have a toxic relationship with Vanderbilt right now. Like, I keep mentally breaking up with them, and they keep not letting me get out of the relationship. Um, they've not lost a weekend. They do look weird at number six in our rankings right now. I think that's undeniable. 
you know, Enrique Bradfield Jr. hasn't, you know, he's he's having his worst season in college right now, which is jarring. Mm-hmm. But it's early. It's obviously very, very early. But the Vandy thing is so interesting. Um, their pitching always gives them a chance. But as you and Mark talked about on your podcast, Joe, man, I mean, they they just keep juggling chainsaws every weekend. And it's dangerous. Yeah. Go you ahead, know what's Tim. really interesting to me about the SEC, too? And, you know, Joe has seen Georgia. But, you know, Georgia's gotten off to a really good start. And South Carolina's gotten off to a really good start. And those two teams played this weekend. I'm still, like, I'm still not sure what to think about either of them. You know, like, Georgia has taken a series from Georgia Tech. They swept Georgia Southern in midweek series. You know, South Carolina has a Clemson series win. But other than that, they haven't played a great schedule. So I, I think that's a really sneaky, awesome series. Like, I think that's going to be really telling for both those teams. No doubt. I think one thing on Georgia real quick that's interesting to me is Liam Sullivan had another great outing last week, five hitless innings. Yeah. That's the second start this year where he's come out of the game without allowing a hit. And so maybe it's a situation where I think that takes some pressure off Jaden, Jaden Woods, because if Sullivan ends up being a guy who's not as flashy, but is a little steadier, can go a little deeper in games, is more efficient, all of that stuff, it, it, it makes it to where they really maybe just kind of can say, you know what, Jaden got there. And if, if it's four and two thirds, as long as it's an electric four and two thirds and you limit runners, like, okay. And, and we can kind of let go of the idea that Jaden Woods is going to have to be someone who yeah. can give you six innings or seven innings. You can just let him kind of air it out and, and be who he is. That would, that would be huge for that team. Yeah, I think that's an important point. And frankly, that's one of the reasons that we were uh, high on Georgia heading into last year. We were, we were kind of buying, I in particular was really buying Liam Sullivan as a breakout guy last year and it didn't happen. And then we kind of soured on him based on reports in the fall from scouts and, um, and, and lo and behold, here he is, he's figuring it out, you know, and, and credit to him and credit to that coaching staff. Uh, but so far so good on that. And that really does change my perception of that team. I think you're absolutely right, Joe. That's a really key piece for them. Mm, crazy Fitzy if Leon Leon Sullivan was a stock I mean you'd retire on that puppy like you were in early early like you got you got a price on that puppy yeah but then but then I dumped it all when it went back down (laughs) you might have panicked I took a bath bath. oh Fitzy take us the ACC observations on the ACC yeah it's I think it's it's so fascinating um you know first of all I I still believe uh, as I did heading into the season that Wake Forest is the best team I think they're the most talented team. Uh, having seen them a couple of times this weekend, my impression is the defense is is still um, not airtight. Now it, it had been very good before this week, but you know they play on a different surface at home, and then they get out there on fast, you know, real grass surfaces this week and made a bunch of errors. You know, I think they made seven errors in that loss to Coastal, and they made five errors in I think the one of the games against Duke, um, and so that's not great. You know. Um, but that said, like a couple of those games, they didn't have Bennett Lee behind the plate. I kind of feel like with Bennett Lee and with <laughs> the freshman Merrick Houston, who can really, really pick it now. I mean, he's he's not as bad, isn't ready for the ACC, but to their credit, they're sticking him down there in the nine hole. And if he hits 150, he hits 150. Like that's, you know, he might be hitting not much better than that right now, but like they need his defense. They recognize that and they're just going to, they're just going to, you know, ride it out, I think. Uh, but you know, with, with those guys and, and, you know, Tommy Hawk and center field, uh, Justin Johnson, who hasn't been awesome defensively, but I think is a better defender than his numbers show. Like that seems like a pretty good up the middle group. So, you know, the corners, okay. You know, third base Wilkin needs to be better than he has been clearly. Uh, but anyway, their offense is elite and they have by far the best, I think the deepest pitching staff, even without Teddy McGraw. I mean, you slide Sean Sullivan in there. He's a, he's a dude. 
you know, Rhett Louder's a dude, and Josh Hartle has become a big, big time guy now, too. I mean, it's, you know, not big time velocity, but boy, the metrics are elite. I mean, it's just that, you know, unparalleled um, angle, you know, approach angle, that horizontal approach angle, I believe, that really makes that, that 89 90 play up and, you know, cutter, curveball, changeup. Like he's really, really taking a step now. And so, uh, and, and I think the, the bullpen, too. I mean, it's it, the pieces are there, obviously, with Kim Manassi and, um, you know, and Cole Rowland, the setup guy, it, I just think they've got more depth there. I think it's, it's it more real arms on that staff. That's my, my concern about the other teams around the league is like, you know, NC state can rake, you know, Virginia can rake North Carolina can also, I mean, I think it's the, the bottom half of their lineup is a little bit more exploitable, but certainly the top six guys are really good. Um, you know, there's a lot of really good offensive teams, uh, but how many of them have the real pitching also like real arms, you know, like UVA's mm-hmm. weekend arms are just, eh, you know, the pitchability guys are fine. Maybe that's good enough because their offense and their defense are both elite. But I mean, the pitching is like, eh. Um, Wake has arms. Louisville, maybe that's the answer. Maybe Louisville is the most complete team. Um, I haven't seen them yet, but certainly, Kendall, you liked what you saw from their arms. I mean, that, that, well, let me ask you, Kendall. I mean, I don't know how much we talked about it last week, but obviously we, we talked about um, Hawks. But but is that is that a real pitching staff, real arms on that on that rotation and in the bullpen? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the, the rest of that rotation gave him length that weekend and it's trying to be Greg Ferone, you know, got in the middle innings. Carson Liggett got well into the middle innings in a, in a run rule game. So, I mean, I, I actually thought they had depth coming this season. They had a lot of arms back from last year's team. But I think when you look at, you know, you know, we haven't even, last week we didn't even talk about guys like Riley Phillips who, you know, they're expecting to kind of get back. They said he was out for, for the fall with some sort of injury, but he's back now. They're, they're hoping he's, you know, gets on a roll you know, Kate Keeler and guys like that, or Tate Keener, or uh, Tate, Keener, stuff. Right. Tate Keener, um, you know, they, they expect him to kind of get on the roll as well. He's another guy who, you know, missed a month of, you know, spring workouts to start, you know, in January. And they're that's kind of an important arm back. for so them. That's, a, a, that's a veteran. That dude's yeah. thrown a lot. You of know, exactly. They've got a ton of options. That's interesting. So, yeah, I think Louisville, I think you could argue Louisville might be the most complete team. Fitzy, I agree with you that Virginia's position player group is special and, their yeah. pitchers remind me of my mom's bologna and mustard sandwiches from second grade where just like, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Right. Mom, like I'm not mad at you, but I'm not like, you know, I'm not doing dances in, in at Colbertson elementary school right. here, it's, but it's, um, it's pitch ability righties. And, you know, and also like, yeah, for sure they've got guys from the left side too, but like it, it's mix and match. I mean, it's, 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 that's it. I mean, it's, you know, it's not gonna it's not gonna be dominant, but that's you know it doesn't mean it doesn't need to be. You know, uh, you throw strikes, let that defense make plays. Now I love that yeah. team on defense uh, too. Yeah, I will be really interested to see Hawks uh, against Georgia Tech this weekend because you know Georgia Tech can hit, mm-hmm. and you know A and M the the weekend they played A and M A and M was really scuffling offensively, but I mean that for that weekend I mean it was legit like ninety two to ninety five with like a hammer breaking ball. So I'm actually very curious to see how he matches up with that GT lineup this weekend. Yep. And I'm going to throw something else out here, Runes, to, to, to cut you off. Uh, Florida State, I mean, clearly has some real arms. And, and I think it was intriguing that they finally made the move and put um, Wyatt Crowell in, in the rotation this week, right? It's, it was a six innings, first career start. Um, I believe it was it was six strong innings, uh, shutout ball, yeah, uh, ten, awesome. 10 strikeouts. Yep. Um, and so, you know, that's um, – 
something we've been wondering and waiting to see if they would do that. They said, hey, the season they were going to, and then the season starts, and of course, she's back in the bullpen, and you're like, oh, well, here we go again. Just another case of a college coach saying we're going to start this guy, and then, you know, when the, when the rubber hits the road, he's in the bullpen. The fact that they've actually, now they're making that move a few weeks in, and he, you know, gave them length. That's very interesting. And, and so we'll kind of see uh, how that unfolds. But clearly they have some some real arms. They have got, I think, you know, certainly some of the best arms in the league. That's the thing about this league in general. Like clearly there's a lot of offensive there's a talent. You know, there's a lot of really good position player groups. Really, really good ones. You know, Boston mm-hmm. College we talked about too. Like it's a great position player group. But, but the, the gap in the, the quality of pitching between the ACC and SEC is, is large. And so the few teams that have like – I think Florida state has sec caliber arms and um, you know, I think wake forest does too. And, and maybe Louisville, but like, there's not a whole lot of others maybe that do. It's interesting with Florida state. I, I have them three times over the next couple of weeks and, you know, just link Jarrett and Chuck Cristano are so good at figuring out what are the right roles, but Carson Montgomery still is struggling like a big dog and they kind of flipped Wyatt Crowell. I think ideally what they wanted to do is go, you know, Ballmeister who has found himself, um, Jamie Arnold, the freshman left-hander who's pretty dang talented, but it's kind of sidearm. Um, you know, he, he's been good against righties, but it's, it's an interesting slot. And then, you know, Montgomery, but he, he's struggling. So they've, they've yeah. kind of flipped Arnold and, and Crowell, man, it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting. Joe, I'm going to po- pose this question to you and then, and then we'll get to the big 12. Do you think Joe, like, I, I feel like we're all saying Louisville and wake is tier one in, in this league. Do you feel like Virginia merits being in that tier or are you not ready to pull the trigger on that yet? I'm not quite ready, but I, I get the sense I'm, I'm maybe a little bit higher on them than the general consensus because I, I see what everyone else is seeing on the mound and, and kind of being uninspired by that. But I, I do think Aaron brings up a good point that what they're really looking for is, is our pitchers who can throw strikes and induce some contact and let their defense play, which is a, which is a good, um, you know, good strategy there. I, I also, I also think it's interesting and I don't know if this is the coincidence or, or what the deal is, but Virginia has had a string now in the last, you know, five years or so of really highly recruited guys that got to campus. And then you know, Mike Vassell eventually came around, but it, it took him a while to get there. And then Nate Savino, there was kind of a feeling that he never quite hit the ceiling that everyone had expect him, expected him yep. to. And so I'm not so sure that this might actually just be a better, uh, strategy for Virginia, just guys who, you know, throw strikes and are, you know, hard-nosed pitchers. And um, that's not to say they don't have high, you know, Jack O'Connor is a, a, you know, high impact guy, but he's not on the tier of where Savino and Basil were going to, yeah. going to school. So. And his um, stuff from what I understand this weekend was not uh, as, as firm as it was in week one when I saw him uh, just talked to a mm. scout who was there. It was more like 89, 91, you know, maybe touch mm. of two, uh, which, uh, I think that there's more there. I mean, he's really he's a big, strong dude, and there's and, and he's got good feel for. He, he's good. He's going to be a, a big star, I think. Like, I think he'll be better than Vassal and Savino. But I think you make a good point that neither of those guys really lived up to the hype. Like, those are both like premium, premium blue chip recruits, and like they were, you know, solid yeah. college. Those were, were guys, they, college guys, but they weren't. Those were guys they talked out of the draft. You know, yep. mm-hmm. um, that tier of guys. And I think it's worth noting, you know, Drew Dickinson, the pitching coach there. I mean, you you think back to his days at Illinois, and for every for every Tyler J. There and he's a good development story in his own right. But for every Tyler J, who was a first round draft pick, there were, you know, ten guys who came to campus throwing mid eighties and left campus. I mean, not necessarily throwing much harder, but being 
stalwart weekend guys on Illinois teams that went to regionals, right? That 2015 team that was so good had Jay, but their rotation was just a bunch of guys that scouts probably shrugged their shoulders inside about, you know, just not, not much to see here. And he was very good at taking those types of guys and turning them into something. Now the ACC is a different animal in the big 10. I don't, I don't need to be explained that, but I do think that maybe is a little bit of what they're, what they're looking for here. So I'm I'm a little bit higher than I I don't know if I'd put them in that tier because I I do think there is a scenario where they run into trouble, kind of like they did last year where they felt short on the mound at the end, but I'm fairly positive on them overall, them and Virginia tech, both for the, for similar reasons. Yep. Yeah. That's the, and you know, watching BC and Virginia tech, one thing I'll tell you guys about BC, they are just old, old, old. They are old on the mound. They've got division three, fifth year kids that can, that, that aren't going to just go fastball and fastball County. BC is old and very interesting and they compete like crazy, like Mike Gambino teams always do. So interesting. Go ahead. And I was skeptical of, you know, division three kids from, from, you know, Rhode Island schools, right? Roger Williams and Savi Regina, like, you know, are those guys gonna be able to make the transition? And it looks like they have. Like, you mm-hmm. know, that, that's 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 been huge. Those two guys in particular, um, you know, Flynn I think is pitching in the rotation for them. Um, I mean, that's that's been kind of a game changer for them. Is they just needed guys who could give them solid innings. And uh, you know, and and some of their 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 returning guys who've really taken lumps on the mound, like John West in particular that, you know, former, we talked about him before, I think on the show, but former basketball mm-hmm. player, just kind of a late bloomer, six foot eight, you know, there's long levers. He's kind of figured it out uh, to be, to be a, a key piece. Although I don't know if he pitched well this weekend runes. I think he, no, nah, yeah. Virgi- you know, in fairness, Virginia tech, when they have a day offensively, it's not going to be a good scene for any pitcher. I mean, that, that's a, that's a real offense in my opinion. Yep. I agree. And, but BC is, is definitely better on the mound. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still not hundred percent convinced that they're, pitching will have long-term staying power in the ACC, which is one reason we were just a tiny bit hesitant to bring them into the rankings this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but give them credit to this point. I mean, it's clearly dramatically improved, and maybe it is good enough to hang around. Yep. Shout and out to be- Salve Regina. Yes. Yeah. By the beautiful way, that campus. was, that that was a double, double header in 30 degrees, and you know the, the Boston College Eagles like that kind of party. So uh, that's, Yeah, that's not optimal. No. Kendall, uh, the Big 12, I feel like, is getting murkier. Like tech is kind of, yeah. they're good. They're not as good. They're good. You know, TCU sounds like they've got some injuries on the mound. Oklahoma State, maybe even a little bit. Where, where do you stand on the Big 12 as we open up this weekend? Well, you know, Oklahoma State week one, I had a lot of questions about. Uh, their pitching was just not very good, uh, to say the least. Uh, they kind of stabilized things a little bit from a pitching standpoint. Uh, I do think it's really interesting how Oklahoma State just has random guys like step up. Like Brian Hendry, as of late, has thrown really well. St. John's, State. right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they've had guys that are stepping up. You know, I, st- I still believe in guys like Jansen Kiesel, but, like, the fact that they they can find arms that can kind of take the torch and kind of press forward, to me, gives me a lot of confidence in those guys. Uh, you know, I do think when you look at, you know, Oklahoma State offensively, uh, you know, you look at the top of the lineup. And one thing I really like is the fact that, you know, Nolan McLean, who, you know, he has 22 strikeouts, which is still a high number, but he also has 19 walks. I mean, he's got a – his watch to strikeout ratio is way better than it was last year. You know, Nolan Schubert's uh, off to a really good start for them. You know, he's like got six bombs as a freshman, you know, 393 average. And so, I, you know, I love their lineup at, at Globe Life. I just have a lot of question marks with their pitching. So their pitching has gotten better. So I, I think for me, I have the most confidence, uh, at, you know, out of that league, I have the most confidence in those guys. I do think Texas Tech showed me a lot last weekend. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't think they looked great at Shriners. But against an Iowa team that let's not forget, 
uh, pummeled LSU and on Saturday in Round Rock. It's one game, but still, they did it. Um, you know, Texas Tech could have very easily swept that series. If, frankly, like Iowa held on for dear life to win that series finale to salvage a game of that series. So I think when you look at Tech now, you know, with Brendan Gurton, you know, you look at Mason Molina from the left side. You know, I, I wrote about the pieces in the bullpen with guys like Ryan Free, Brandon Beckel, Kyle Robinson. Robinson now will be in the, the weekend rotation going into conference. But those are three really solid starters. They've got depth in the bullpen. And then offensively, you know, Gavin Cash uh, has kind of come out of nowhere to become kind of that dude. Like the, the big question mark for Texas Tech this year was, you know, one year they had, the, you know, the guys like Eric Gutierrez. They had the, the young brothers and guys like that. Like who was going to just transform into that, that type of hitter for Texas Tech? And that guy's Gavin Cash. I mean, he's hitting well over 400 right now. He's hitting with power. He's very consistent at the plate. So that's been a big key for those guys as well. And, you know, they're playing pretty good baseball going into conference. But, you know, other teams for me, I think TCU, I, I feel like they're really living life on the edge. They're kind of one of those clubs that as we debated the top 25, it's kind of like, hey, they're 9-6. and six. Like, oh, man, it's weird having them up here. But, you know, they do have a lot of marquee wins. But TCU right now, guys, you know, Garrett Wright's still on the shelf with an injury. Luke Savage uh, has shoulder soreness and, and might be on the shelf this weekend. Uh, so, I mean, if they don't have Wright and Luke Savage for a while, that's really detrimental to that bullpen. So, uh, thankfully for them, you know, guys like Cole Klecker, a talented freshman, has really stepped up for them. But, obviously, I like TCU offensively, but there are some question marks injury-wise on the mound. And then Oklahoma and West Virginia, for me, are, are kind of – sleeper candidates potentially for Omaha. I mean, I think if you look at West Virginia, you know, we talked about Arizona earlier, guys. They're red hot. Who do they lose a series to? Their only series loss, West Virginia and home. And if mm-hmm. you look at the top of West Virginia's lineup, J.J. Weatherholt's off to a fantastic start. He's hitting, uh, you know, I think, four, like 446 with, with six bombs. He's off to a really good start for them. Moondog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, Blaine Traxel, it's kind of funny – I remember, uh, I remember, you know, Dave Serrano when he was at Northridge was telling me like, "Hey, man, like, people need to be looking at this Blaine Tractor guy. Like, he's really, really good." And uh, you know, now at West Virginia, uh, he's been their most consistent starter. He's been their best starter. And so, you know, even with guys like Aiden, uh, you know, Aiden Major and guys like that uh, scuffling a little bit, Blaine Tractor has kind of been a godsend for them. So keep an eye on Randy Mazie's club. They they played really well in non-conference, and then Oklahoma. You know, I know they had that hiccup against Cal Baptist earlier this year. Cal Baptist, I, I do think, is a pretty solid club. Uh, but, uh, you know, Oklahoma the last, you know, two or three weeks has played outstanding baseball. They, you know, they dominated uh, Houston over the weekend. And they have a few injuries too. But, again, Oklahoma is playing really well right now. They're, you know, 9-1 and one in the last 10. They've won five straight games. Uh, and then Texas, uh, we can't uh, you know, talk about the Big 12 without talking about Texas. Uh, I just, guys, I, I just have them a step behind these teams. I, I just think when you look at Texas overall, if, if I'm David Pierce and I look at LeBaron Johnson, like he's not my Tuesday guy anymore. And, they're you know, they're starting on Tuesday. Tomorrow gets North Dakota State. Like for me, like he is a weekend guy uh, when you look at his stuff. I mean, it's up to 97. Uh, it's a nasty breaking ball. I think it's, you know, then you think he throws like a splitter as well. He was awesome against LSU a couple of Tuesdays ago. And so I would like to see once they start conference play, they you know, you know see him move in that rotation. I think outside of Lucas Gordon, he's their their most dominant potential option. Uh, and then offensively, I don't think this Texas lineup is going to scare a lot of teams. I just don't. Um, it, it's not a, a team with a lot of juice in it. But uh, you know, I give a lot of credit to Porter Brown and Peyton Powell. You know, Porter Brown was a guy that you know I, I kind of felt like during his TCU career, he was either really high or really low. He's been a consistent, you know, hitter for the Horns. And then Peyton Powell, for me, has kind of come out of nowhere to get off to a really good start. But the key for Texas, fellas, 
is uh, Dylan Campbell. You know, he's a guy that we Great all Campbell. thought was kind of that big breakout candidate for UT, kind of like Murphy Staley last year uh, coming into the season. He's hitting 193. That's got to get mm. a lot better if Texas is going to make a move in this conference. Dylan Earl Campbell. That's how we're remembering his name. Boys, I, like, I watched – oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Coach Healy. Oh, I was just going to say it's relate, relatedly. My, my quick little thing on the Big 12 is that it really does feel like there's an opportunity here for a team that we either weren't expecting or typically does not compete to be in Heck a regional yeah. to sneak in there this year because Baylor is down. Kansas is rebuilding. Not sure what to make of Kansas State yet. Texas is clearly rebuilding. Oklahoma is on the come, but – how good is that team? We still don't really know. So it feels like an opportunity for a, a West Virginia to finish in the top, you know, three or four in the conference or, or some other team in that mix to really make a move here because we've, we've got three teams at the top that we feel pretty good about. And then after that, we have, we have a lot of questions. So it does feel like, Hey, if, you know, if you're one of these teams that always find yourself trying to, you know, climb up the grease pole to get to the top of the big 12, this year might be your year. Well, the other thing, Joe, real quick on the on West Virginia is, you know, we talked about Blaine Traxel, but, you know, Ben Hampton's a very accomplished weekend guy in that conference. And then you throw guys like Carlson Reed, who's, you know, he's had his ups and downs, but, it, you know, it's a big-time arm. Uh, and then you assume guys like Aiden Major kind of get back on track. I mean, that's that's actually a really talented pitching staff. Yeah, hmm. I, I think that's a, that's a great point that you guys make about West Virginia. It does feel like this is a, this is a, their year to kind of get back into that regional. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I will say I'm buying Oklahoma, and, and I, we, we won't talk a lot about them because we talked about them last week. But um, I, I think they figured it out after that, you know, opening weekend hiccup. It's it's coming together. I love what they got from their starters this weekend. You know, Cale Davis and and uh, Braxton Dowlett both pitched very well, which I thought was encouraging because they eh, weren't, weren't great uh, in Frisco. Uh, but like if, if those guys can give them length like that and, you know, Jamie hit, you know, is, is, is your Sunday guy. Okay. You know, I feel okay about that. So um, the rest of their team is just, I, I think, I think that's a, that's a team that is going to be in very much in the mix with Oklahoma state and Texas tech and TCU. I, I believe that. And, and by the way, like Oklahoma state, like their, their pitching is, it's kind of coming together, but it's not like this lock stock rotation. Texas Tech's going to be interesting watching them on Saturday against Iowa. They had that that Texas Tech swagger that we're used to. They played three freshmen and four sophomores that day. So it's a very young group that I think could have some swings. Kevin Bazell, though, is a baller. Like he is very much um, who was the who was the tech player they just had number four right handed Drew Carter. Uh, no, not Drew Carter. Drew. Um, Drew Baker, Baker. Drew there you Baker. go. Yeah, the Kevin Bazell reminded me of him. Gage Harrelson is this, a little chirpy left-handed hitting freshman who plays mm -hmm. a speed game and had his mouth in the Iowa dugout half the game in like a good way, getting his team juiced up. And um, anyway, yeah, Tech, it, it was very much an old-fashioned. Can I just go ahead and say what the toughest decision in the world is going to be in the postseason is a freshman All-American catcher. You know, speaking of Oklahoma, Easton Carmichael, you know, he's hitting 433 with three bombs and 25 RBIs right now. So you kind of throw in him with Peebles and guys like that. Goodness gracious, what a what a crop of freshman catchers. Ike Irish. I mean, you know, man, it's crazy. Interesting. Hey, uh, by the way, for those of you playing the D1 baseball drinking game at home, Kendall has mentioned three fabulous rune dogs so far tonight, so make sure that you um, it was not by yourself design, to your by beverage. I, I never try to flatter you, Runes. No, well, the, 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 the fabulous Rune Dogs just have that kind of roster right now. You can't not talk about them. Uh, boys, let me take you to the Pac-12. Sure. You talk about unpredictable leagues. Stanford is really banged up. Tommy Troy's not playing right now. Drew Bowser missed the final two games of the weekend. Tommy O'Rourke um, is uh, 
is, is out right now. Drew Dowd, I think, threw in the bullpen. You know, Quinn Matthews, his issues as a strike thrower that kind of didn't come into play as a silver bullet reliever are now – he's doing fine in the rotation, but he's requiring bullpen help. Um, you know, USC, which I think is a very undermanned roster, but they're playing – you know, they're frisky under Andy Stankwitz and that great staff. Um, you know, so Stanford looked very, very mortal. I mean, UCLA won the series against Oregon, but very easily could have lost that series. They got beat on Friday night, gave up back-to-back-to-back home runs in the Saturday game to Oregon to almost lose an 8-2 lead. Um, but they did win the series and, and deserve credit for that. And then, you know, we saw Washington State won at Oregon State. So I think the Pac-12 is going to be – hey, Arizona State is very banged up right now. No Ethan Long, no Nick McLean. They did not play Will Rogers on Sunday. I think that was just kind of a mental break. Um, no Tyler Meyer. He's probably I would I, I don't know when and if he will pitch. But um, man, you know Washington's pretty dang good. I don't know. The Pac-12 feels very very interesting to me. I saw a lot of that Washington series because I, I'm one of the eight people that has Pac-12 Network, and <laughs> I, uh, they they played two of those games against Utah and Pac-12 Network over the weekend, and that you know it, they just they happened to work out in time slots where I was looking for game to watch, and I came away pretty impressed. Now it's it, they've played a pretty soft schedule so far, um, even you know at a conference, and then catching Utah opening week is obviously one of your better Utah at home is is one of the better things that that you can get in the draw, but. You know, pitching wise, Kiefer Lord has looked the part. Stu Flesland in the rotation has been great. I like the kind of one two punch of Emmanuel's and, and Case Matter in the bullpen. You know, offensively, AJ Guerrero, uh, you know, Will Simpson really hasn't even totally gotten going yet. It feels like maybe there's a little something there left. Cam Clayton, a guy I know you, you like runes, and then the preseason, you kind of, uh, you know, picked him out a little bit. So it, it's just, it feels like a, it feels like a pretty deep lineup. I don't know if there's a whole lot of star power necessarily. And some of that is maybe just because we're talking about Washington and that's not a glamor program out there, but I came away pretty, like I said, I came away pretty impressed with just the, the raw talent. So if you throw out like the level of competition and all that, and that being said, they're handling the competition. So there's something mm-hmm. to be said for that. But uh, you know, if you're, if you're kind of looking around the PAC 12 and I, I'm sure Kendall agrees, cause he picked them in the, the our little draft of teams to, to be better this year. Uh, I think yeah. you'd be, I think you'd do well to buy some stock in Washington at this point. Uh, I would like to make a, a quick observation here. Pac 12, another league that does not have any team with a losing record at this point. I think the wow. same is true for the sec hmm. and the ACC. Um, those three teams are all up there. The top three in, in, in conference winning percentage at this point, um, all above 700, you know, which is very encouraging for their chances, all three of those leagues, to send a lot of teams to regionals. Because unlike the Big Ten, for instance, which the Big Ten, you know, conference winning percentage is, is 500 overall. Uh, but if you look at the bottom of the league, you've got a Minnesota who's 2-14. and 14, You've got a Northwestern who's 0-11. Um, you've got a couple of real drains on your RPI there. And I think the Big 12, as we talked about, like we think Baylor is going to struggle. Kansas uh, right now is above 500, but you know, how long will that last? I mean, I still feel like the big 12 is going to be all right as far as that goes, but like, it does feel like the ACC, SEC and, and uh, PAC 12 in particular are all positioning pretty well um, to, to, you know, to send more teams maybe than they normally would. And we'll see how that shakes out. But uh, it feels like one of those years where maybe we've got more power coverage teams than usual. Although I think the Sun Belt is, is kind of the one mid-major league that could gobble up more than it has in the past because of, of how the way that league has expanded and really adding some great programs. I'll tell you what I think can happen, boys, is 
I could see all four of these leagues. Think about the weekend, the final weekend of the regular season. We play Thursday to Saturday because of conference tournaments. I could see us playing for four different league championships on that Saturday. I don't see, you know, I, I don't see even, as good as LSU is. I don't know that they can pull away and run away from Florida and Tennessee as good. Like we're convicted on Oklahoma state. Can they run away from that league? I don't think so. Um, I'm certainly yeah, not convicted yeah. that anyone in the pack can run away. Um, and I don't think Wake or Louisville can run away from, from that league. I don't know. This could be really, really fun this regular season. Agreed. Boys. Yeah, you, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Finish. No, I was yeah. going to say, then you have like the Sun Belt. You know, we had a chat question about the Sun Belt today. And honestly, when you look at that league, I mean, you could legitimately make a case for like six bids right now. I mean, you know, Chris Finwood's done a really good job with Old Dominion this year. I'm not sure I expected him to be that good this early. You know, Troy played anybody, coming off a series with UCF. You got Southern Miss, Louisiana, Texas State, Coastal Carolina. Uh, then you have like, you know, other teams like South Al and Georgia Southern who you feel like are going to make a move at some point. I mean, that, that you could look right now and go, hey, like I could see six bids coming from that league. Now, will that happen? I don't know. But I mean, there's a case to be made. Mm, so it good. certainly certainly feels like all six teams you just mentioned are uh, going to be very much in the hunt. Like they all feel like they yeah. have regional caliber. I mean, when we were looking at this league in the preseason, we had a hard time deciding which teams we wanted to project yeah. for regionals because like all those teams feel like contenders. So mm -hmm. great. By the way, I don't know if you guys can hear that, but the great Jennifer Rooney, j Row, if you will, is blending in the background. Her her blender will not – it's not waiting for the podcast. Like, there's well, a routine. I children behind me a second ago. I had yeah. to mute myself. It's I don't hear good. any of it. You guys are doing great. Yes. World-class okay. microphones we got. What do you think's in the blender, uh, Runes? Uh, you know, it's funny. When I go to the grocery store, my, my wife has lunch <laughs> meat every day as part of her lunch. And, you know, in fairness to Jenny, she has a really strict diet. She's really disciplined about it. Um, but I'm the only person in, in, our, in our town that I go to the grocery store and I get in the lunch meat line and I say, hey, could I have 16 slices of Black Forest ham? And the guy behind the counter looks at me like, like, like you mean a half pound or three quarters of a pound? I'm like, no, I would like 16 slices. <laughs> That's how we roll in the Rooney household. We count Precise. our slices. We know we I'm, glad, I'm just glad Jenny and I have something in common. We both have very strict diets. <laughs> Where's your rally oh. broccoli, Kendall? It's 45 oh, minute mark. So great. Rally broccoli. This this stage of my life would be probably a good idea. Oh, Kendall, you need your rally. But my favorite thing on Monday mornings is I try not to go into comments on Twitter except for your Twitter account after we post the rankings on Monday morning. My favorite one today. I can't. It was like Stephen Shock last week, where you know somebody was given some guy named Bill was giving Stephen a hard time about his. Twitter handle being Big Donkey. So Steven, as only Steven Shot could do, says, All right, Twitter, help me pick a new Twitter name. And Steven's wife got on there and said, At Steven needs to come home and take the trash out tonight, 47. <laughs> uh, but then somebody had the best one. Bill was the commenter that was ripping on Steven. And he said, At Bill sucks, 47, which should be Steven's new. <laughs> but go. Kendall, you're, you're, you're the, the guy that came at you today and said, I tried to be open-minded this year about the rankings, but you disappointed me again. I just, I love, what? oh, it was so great. So what the thing that confused me about that, the guy was an Aggie. Like how, like A&M at 15 is like, I mean, like, I don't know what you're, what better you're, you're wanting. Like you should just be glad to be at 15. But I, like the what, great what I did learn today that Boston College does have like a decent sized group of fans on Twitter that care about baseball. So you know what? They can come at me all they want. If they care about Boston College baseball, like I'm happy for you. 
It's the entire Italian-American population in the Northeast, the Gambino crime family coming after you, Kendall. That's Third why you had, to, you had to go I, to the I Hill love, Country this week. I know, hey, I know you will be shocked, but I love me some Mike Gambino. The best. Oh, yeah, it's like... A prince among men. He is a prince among men. Oh, he's a, he's a treat. Yes, so great. So we look forward to next Monday. Uh, for you listeners, by the way, the... Um, we, there's never a bad time to get a sub to D1Baseball.com. Right now, at checkout, save 23. We'll get you 20% off. Uh, if you type in Joe Healy's beard, doesn't exist anymore. You're going to pay full fright, full freight, if you will. Type in save 23, get 20% off. Website is uh, it's on fire right now as we enter conference play for all of the humans in college baseball. Uh, gentlemen, we will have a Thursday night show this week. We did Twitter space last week, but that does not convert to a podcast. So we'll do something more convertible um, this week as we get you ready for um, the season, for the, the the conference season and the SEC and, and the Big 12. Uh, gentlemen, well done. We win every podcast, as Fitzy like to say, uh, likes to say. And uh, that's it. We'll catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast.